Hello again, welcome to another episode of the Rainy Market Minute. Today is Tuesday, September 6th, and this is episode number 177. My name is Justin Hewn. I am your host. I'm the founder and publisher of the Uranium Insider Pro Newsletter, the only investing newsletter that focuses solely on uranium, finds the best risk-reward investment opportunities in the space, and publishes on a regular monthly basis. As always, nothing that you see or hear in this podcast is intended to be investing advice. I'm not your financial advisor. This is not financial advice. Please always do your own due diligence when it comes to investing and always take responsibility for your own choices. All right. Good to be back with you guys again today. Um, had a number of days off from the podcast. We put out our September monthly newsletter on Thursday morning. So I was uh, totally cooked from that process. Um, Friday, I was out of the office and yesterday we had a national holiday for Labor Day. U.S. markets were closed, so we were going to be giving you um, two, let's see, three trading days worth of data. That'll be Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of last week in the uh, daily scoreboard section. The markets have been interesting. The uranium is a couple of weeks into uh, some pretty significant and obvious outperformance and potentially decoupling from the S&P that has been um, very, very weak to say the least. So very nice to see that. How long will that stick? I don't know. We'll go over the charts in just a moment. Before we get into that, I want to remind everyone again that starting in October, the daily version of this podcast is going to be available for members of Uranium Insider Pro Newsletter only. Now, this daily podcast that is going to be available for members only starting in October, we will be able to get more deeply into the granular data of the sector. Um, there's some higher level data that I always reserve for paying members only. And of course, we will be able to talk about company updates, which I do not do on this free podcast out of respect for our paying members. We don't discuss our focus list positions. But of course, I have committed to continuing this free podcast. I'll be doing a once a week uh, podcast of the Uranium Market Minute going forward. Um, so you're more than welcome to continue to listen and watch that. If you are interested in joining our newsletter, um, we have a very, very exciting uh, members webinar this coming in a couple of weeks here for September. We have uh, a guest, I'm not going to name who he is on this particular podcast, um, at least not yet, is joining us. And uh, this is an industry player that's been around forever. Very, very sharp, always um, entertaining to listen to and to speak with. And um, we're really looking forward to this interview. And he currently is at WNA. So um, very much looking forward to his takeaways from that conference. We unfortunately could not be there, but um, we have the uh, we have the opportunity to speak with him in the members webinar for September. So if you are considering switching over and you wanted to catch that members webinar, we haven't nailed down a date, probably going to be in about two weeks time. Either way, whether or not you join us, that's fine. Um, I'm happy to have your support on this free podcast as we continue weekly starting in October. The daily podcast is going to be available members only starting the first week of October. All right, why don't we go ahead and jump right into the daily scoreboard here. The spot price of uranium is down significantly from last week, but the equities are holding out quite well, all things considered. Sitting at $50 a pound mid-market, that's down about $3.50 since we last talked on Wednesday. Um, still seeing relatively light volumes and the, a bit more volatility since we've had sput back in the market a bit. Um, sput purchased 600,000 pounds on Friday, though they did not raise any new money on Friday. Their discount to NAV closed Friday at minus 5.03%. Now the trust traded up quite nicely today, very close to NAV, possibly at times at a slight premium. We'll have to see in a few hours if they raised any cash. Their cash balance, they really drew down significantly. They're now sitting, uh, let's see, in total 25 million in cash, which is historically pretty low. Sput now holds 58.2 million pounds of uranium. The total net asset value of Sput sitting right around $3 billion currently. 
year to date, they have purchased 15.7 million pounds and they have raised 853.2 million in new capital, but still a behemoth in the space. And if you think this vehicle is dead and not coming back with a vengeance, risk comes back on, just watch, but we'll be there. Looking at the sector ETFs, URA reported a very chunky increase of 2.53 million in shares. This is over the last three trading days. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of last week. URNM recorded, uh, reported an increase of 200,000 shares outstanding. The combined mandated buying from these two ETFs issuances, 76.2 million. That definitely added to what felt like a very strong flywheel effect last week. This was especially on the 29th and the 30th, where we saw big volumes and big up moves in the sector. All right, why don't we go ahead and take a look at the charts. Starting off with URA up over 2% on the day with a weak S&P. Um, still some significant outperformance here, even though we did trade down throughout the day. At one point, URA was up almost 5% on the day. Very, very strong. Relatively big volumes. One thing, I, uh, a couple things I'm looking at here that are noteworthy about this chart. We're seeing a lot of congestion right around this declining 200-day. We technically have closed above it four days out of the last six trading days. Although the 200-day obviously is, of course, still trending down. Um, this consolidation here looks like it could maybe be forming a bit of a bull pennant. We'll have to see if we break up and out of this. That would be a good sign to be strongly up above that 200-day on good volume. We're going to see likely some overhead resistance at this downtrend line. Um, if we break to the upside, if we break to the downside out of this consolidation, I'm looking at this level here for this big fat gap from last week. 2033 would fill that gap. Of course, if we do pull back, um, I don't really see a sector influence causing a pullback here because everything, you know, the, the bullish fundamental news is just coming through a fire hose right now. But of course, we've got a weak, broad market and certainly very uh, well validated concerns about the broad market going forward in a continuing Fed tightening cycle. That's what we're up against. That's what sometimes we are coupled to. Sometimes we are decoupled from. That's what we're looking at. I really don't know which way this way breaks, but honestly, look at the increased volumes of the past two weeks in URA. We're trending up. And so far, in my opinion, uranium is one of very few sectors that is standing out like a sore thumb relative to almost everything else. So when risk is coming off, we have seen increased volumes and up moves in this sector while the S&P is moving down and everybody is bearish. So this is a very, very encouraging outperformance. Again, I don't know if we will continue in this manner. Typically speaking, I generally believe that if the S&P is down kind of you know smaller percentages, less than 1%, sometimes 2%. Now we did have a big down day last week with uranium actually flat to slightly up, substantial outperformance. But usually if we don't see big down drafts <clears throat> in the S&P, we don't tend to couple with it when the sector is strong and the sector is very, very strong right now for so many reasons I've talked about. So lacking these uh, these big downdrafts in the S&P, I think we can actually continue this outperformance. Now, if we see three, four, 5% downdrafts on big volume across the broad markets, it tends to couple everything with it. And uranium uh, oftentimes is no exception to that. So really can't predict the future here, just what I'm seeing. URNM relative to the spot price of uranium, still maintaining a nice little uptrend here. We also have this big gap similar to the URA chart. Will that fill? I don't know. Uh, gun to my head, it probably will. 
Does that come from weaker equities or a stronger spot price? I don't really know. Either way, relatively speaking, we are kind of valued in this mid-range of historical levels. So before the bull market, honestly, that doesn't really count in my opinion, looking at this low levels of valuation. That was a pure contrarian bet prior to the sector taking off. December 2020, the beginning of the bull market, we were back at those levels a few short weeks ago, back in July at the lows. Um, I was a big, big buyer back then, and I was starting to pound the table. The fundamentals were continuing to improve, and the sector was hated. I love those moments. So easy to buy during those moments, and I hate chasing. So we're in one of those kind of mid-range moments here. Which way do we break? I don't really know. Okay, Cameco. Cameco actually decoupled from the rest of the uranium stocks in a negative way today, getting rejected pretty hard. It broke above $30 today. In fact, it peaked out at $30.70. Really strong day in the morning, and then the selling started to hit. Look at this volume, pretty significant volume. I don't have confirmation of this, but I would suspect that possibly a larger newsletter writer is initiating a trim or perhaps a sell, um, selling some strength here, possibly to protect some downside uh, to cover a bit of loss from other sectors. That's entirely possible. There's definitely a lot of bearish sentiment going in the next few months of this of this Fed rate hike uh, tightening cycle. And uh, it looks like this had some selling that was not related to the rest of the sector. So that's uh, my uninformed opinion on that one. URA relative to the S&P, very, very strong, continuing a big update today, 2.5% relative to the S&P. Nice outperformance here. Now, we are likely going to see some resistance when we retest these highs, um, and that is not too far up above the current levels. So it's possible that we get there from, again, a continued... Um, decent performance in uranium with the S&P falling would get us there. And of course, the uranium sector breaking out with the S&P doing whatever the S&P is doing, we will get to this uh, downtrend line. Now, breaking above that on volume would be a very, very strong sign for a continuation or another leg up in this uranium bull market. Sprott Physical Uranium Trust <clears throat> trading up nicely today, like I mentioned, up four over 4.5%. Four it tr definitely traded up very, very close to that premium to their net asset value of, of Friday's close. And so possible they raised some money today. They definitely need to raise some money. They're sitting on a historically low cash position. All right. Going to be very brief in the mailbag section. I just want to talk about Diablo Canyon. As last week, I believe I mentioned it, but I wanted to double down on this point. I think it's very, very important. So California, the state that I live in, I have a love-hate relationship with this state. Um, I love the weather. I love the geography. I'm not really all that fond of the political leadership, if you want to even call it that. With that said, we have what is considered a Democrat supermajority. We're talking about 75 plus percent of the legislature in California are Democrat. And, uh, you know, most of the populace is Democrat. And I only say that because historically speaking, the Democrats have not necessarily been in favor of nuclear power. Now this crisis, crisis comes along and we have a, a really, really funny, honestly, news flow last week where we had back to back uh, just two days later, the second piece of this hit. So the first piece was that California is planning to phase out sales of gasoline-powered vehicles by 2035, or starting in 2035. Two days later, California says, please avoid charging your electric vehicles during certain hours of the evening as there is a strain on the grid. Now, the grid, uh, or the makeup of uh, total vehicles on the road for electric vehicles in California, I believe is somewhere in the 3 to 4% range right now. There are a lot of Teslas, there are a lot of... Uh, a lot of Chevy Volts. There's uh, starting to see a lot of these Rivian electric trucks. 
Um, I'm in Southern California and we see a lot of these. Uh, they're all over the road, <clears throat> but still a, a tiny minority in terms of percentage of total vehicles on the road. And it's already starting to strain the grid. Why? California continues to push uh, on increasing the amount of solar that is uh, that is part of the state's grid. Solar obviously is peaking in its energy production in the afternoon. There's only so much battery storage. There certainly is not grid scale battery storage, at least not yet uh, statewide. There is some, and it obviously is increasing, but it's not sufficient to power all the people coming home from work at five o'clock, six o'clock, four o'clock and plugging in their cars in the evening or overnight. When the sun is down, this is a major problem. You need to have baseload power. I cannot believe they're speaking out of both sides of their mouth, but um, I digress. Diablo Canyon is back uh, and they are extending the life of this plant from 2025 to 2030. So five-year extension. Hey, it's something. Would I have liked to have seen a longer extension? Of course. This is a major victory for all of the advocates. So the Michael Schellenbergers and the Isabel uh, Bomaki, I apologize if I butchered your last name, Isabel. I'm really fond of your work. Uh, uh, Mark Nelson, I mean, the mothers for nuclear, just so many advocates for this plant. So congratulations on that. Thank you for your hard work there. I really appreciate it, not only as a re resident of California, but a nuclear advocate myself. So very, very happy to see that. And I think it's a sign of times to come that the state that is, uh, let's say, leaning farthest in the this left-leaning political direction is embracing their their last operating nuclear plant. And it's very, very good for the states. I'm very happy that they did that. Um, I think it's a big signal to the world. It highlights the um, the folly that's happening in Germany. Unfortunately, they are not reversing course, at least not yet. They still have time to do so. They stress tested the plant. It's good to go for an extension. Um, they can get further nuclear fuel if they wanted to continue to operate that. Uh, the uh, energy minister in Germany actually got caught up in a lie, basically saying, oh, yeah, well, we, even if we wanted to extend it, we couldn't get the fuel in time. And um, I think it was Westinghouse was like, uh, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, you can. <laughs> so they got caught in that. But you know what? They're sticking to their political guns. And uh, so it is. Uh, it's really, really unfortunate. Either way, there's a lot of countries that are reversing Switzerland, Belgium. Um, and, and obviously, we're having uh, Japan accelerate restarts. UK is talking about new reactor uh, construction. In fact, uh, Energy Secretary in the United States, uh, Jennifer Granholm, in um, in an interview that I, I saw a clip from from last week, was saying that she's encouraging California to build new nuclear. Now, being in California, in my opinion, SMRs uh, combined with desal plants is a 100% win. They absolutely should be doing this. And I'm going to be pushing for that um, for as long as I remain in the state. So positive news on that front. Uh, going forward, we are we are very, very close to seeing some demand trickle down in the U308 markets. I've talked about this a lot. I'm not going to go further into that today. Um, obviously, we're going to talk about that a lot in the members webinar in a couple of weeks. And uh, perhaps I'll get into it a bit more in some of the episodes later this week. So we'll see you then. Thank you for watching. I do appreciate all of the support. Cheers.